I don't know if y'all have heard of a research group out of California called the Barna Group. Um, the president of it is a man named David Kinneman. And in 2012, he wrote this book called Unchristian. And this book reveals his research, his scientific research, where he asked people ages 19 to 29 what they think about Christians. And in this book, he kind of lays out that when asked to describe Christians, these people outside of the church, whether they're you know, self-diagnosed atheists, agnostics, or people that have just been done with the church, they use five words. They use five descriptors. The first is that Christians are too political. The second, Christians are anti-gay. The third, that Christians are out of touch with reality. And then fourth and fifth are hypocritical and judgmental. Well, as to the first, too political, I love the diversity at Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church. I love that we have Republicans here, we have Democrats here, and we have a lot of people here who, who are not really sure what they are on any given day. But I pray we are never politically charged, but rather Christ-empowered. I hope you know also that here at Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church, all people are welcome, regardless of their sexuality or their gender their race, or their economic status. And I hope you know that the pastors, the staff, and the session of this church are trying to be as in touch with reality as we possibly can be. And we are trying to really be at an at-person, an at-family, an at-real-life level with you all. But then those other two descriptors, judgmental and hypocritical, I just am not sure if if any of us are going to experience humanity on this side of paradise, I almost feel like we might be hypocritical if we were to say that there were no hypocritical or judgmental people in our presence. I know I struggle with both. In my um, 20s, I found out that it was kind of popular in Christian culture to not listen to secular music. And so... I decided I would get rid of all my compact discs. For those in here under the age of 15, that's how we used to listen to music. And so I threw them all away, like into a dumpster. It still breaks my heart. And I replaced them with bands like DC Talk and Newsboys and Stephen Curtis Chapman. And I love those bands as well. When I came home... <clears throat> After my first semester at college and in my newfound Christianity, I told my friends from high school that I didn't listen to secular music anymore, to that type of music. And years later, they told me they felt judged. And I was embarrassed and ashamed. In my early years of ministry, I used to get on these soapboxes. And there was this brand of clothing that in the early 2000s, that um, decided in order to advertise its clothing to young people, it would actually use less clothing and more skin. And, um, and they also came out saying that they were only going to hire people that had a certain stature and look to them. And so I decided that I was going to tell everybody that they needed to avoid this store and they needed to not buy these clothes. And if they had them, they needed to give them away or throw them away. And at this youth retreat I went to, I walked up to a youth minister I hadn't seen in a while, and he had on this hat. 
you're going to see this hat. And I walked up to him and I was like, how can you wear a hat like that? And he was like, I'm not really sure what you're talking about, Emily. Um, This came from one of my students who's a student at the Air Force Academy. I, I was so embarrassed. I was so ashamed. And, and years later, that man said, you know, Emily, we hadn't seen each other in a while, and you didn't even say hello. You just walked up and judged me. I begin with these two stories because I think when we talk about judgment, um, at least in my case, I immediately turn to those times when I felt judged as opposed to the times when I was in the person sitting in the seat of judgment. I mean, I would much rather in a conversation be the one saying, stop judging me, than being the person that is being told you are judging me. How about you? The past five Sundays, we've been looking at these Sermon on the Mounts. We just pulled out some of the, the teachings, and it's really focused on how we can make sure that our insides match our outsides. The next couple of Sundays, we're going to see how this so dramatically impacts our relationships in our lives. And this morning, we're going to look at judgment. Before we turn to scripture, will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, I am certainly in no place to teach this text. And so I pray that it is your word that pierces through our hearts that we hear I pray that we hear a word of grace with every word that might challenge. I pray that we hear a word of, of comfort, a word of peace with every word that might convict. And I pray that your spirit that is within each of us, that it would unite us, help us to love each other better. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Before I read this scripture, which is from Matthew 7, I just want you to keep in mind that we find out at the end of the gospel of Matthew that Jesus grew up the son of a carpenter. Keep that in mind. Hear now the reading. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why Do you see the speck in your brother or sister's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother or sister, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye. This is the word of the Lord. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, we have seen Jesus take the things that culture, and especially religious culture, says will kind of guarantee you a blessed life, a secure life, a happy life. And he has turned those upside down. In these teachings, Jesus' concern has both been an internal one as well as an external one. First, the internal, a concern of the heart. We know that if you have hatred within your heart, it literally increases your blood pressure and thereby is going to affect how you can live and how you can be present in the world. If you lust for things of other people, you will feel less content. 
When you worry about things that are out of our control, like Kyle talked about last week, our anxiety increases and it affects the way that we live and our relationships and literally the way we sleep. For today, the attitude of judgment. It will shape everything in our lives. It literally can be the lens that changes the way you view news, the way you view your family or your spouse or your career or your body. It's, it's, the, it's the attitude that you look in the kitchen and you see all of the dishes that are not put away as opposed to all that already have been put away. You look on social media and you think, how do they have enough time and money to remodel one more thing in their home? Resulting in jealousy. You walk into a meeting and you only hear the negative things that your colleagues said or your bosses said about your program. You watch the Super Bowl. You're there ready to cheer on your team. And before you know it, you're tearing apart the players, the coaches, the commercials, and then the halftime show. All of a sudden, you're dissatisfied. You see, being judgmental, it affects our well-being. But like all the other teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus pushes us to not just consider how this is affecting our well-being, but how it is affecting the well-being of those around us. Remember, these are Jesus' first teachings with his twelve. The very first things that he is kind of teaching them. And then there's other people on the mountainside. And like us, thousands of years later, they get to learn from him. But how vital, what did he choose to teach them? He only has like three years. And perhaps one of the most vital things that he has to get into their heads is how they love each other well. Because they can't break up. They have to stay together. The the future of the church depends on these disciples. And Jesus knows that judgment is corrosive to relationships. I wonder if you have seen judgment and criticism just this past week in our country. The social media, if you followed it during the halftime of the Super Bowl, the coronavirus, our Congress, we are surrounded, we are enmeshed, we are enfleshed with a spirit of judgment in this country. It has always been this way. But I believe that this text and our Lord and Savior Jesus says, just because it's always been that way doesn't mean we do it. He is calling us to a higher standard. I'm not sure there is a more subtle form of corrosion to relationships than criticism. It's like this this little gadfly And one author I read says that a critical spirit, it boomerangs. You you know, it's like you throw someone a critical comment, and, and then it's like it has to come back to you. Judgment is one of those things that once it is placed on another, it is almost always returned. Listen to again to what Jesus said. The measure you use will be the measure you get. Do not judge for with the measure that you use, you will be judged as well. You see, a critical spirit is dangerous. It literally can bring chaos. In a moment, a critical spirit changes the tone of a meeting. It changes the emotional pulse at a dinner table. 
The mood on a date with your spouse just in making a comment about the driving. One critical comment to one of our students and their entire day has a gray cloud over it. It is crucial that we understand what this text means. And it is crucial that we read it in context because, you know, some outside of the church have used this as a means to say, we are never to make judgments. We should never say this is wrong or this is right. I don't think that's what Jesus means. I don't think we should just pull that out and never make judgments. And if you look at the text, Jesus says, make sure to first remove the speck in your eye, I mean the log in your eye, so that you can see clearly to then help your brother or sister remove the speck in their eye. Later in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells the disciples as he's getting ready to send them out, he says, you are going to need to distinguish between the sheep and the goats. So Jesus clearly is telling us that there are certain things in this world that are wrong. Lust, greed, hate, these are wrong. So yes, we should make judgment on it, but the point here is that we are often too worried about telling other people where they have done wrong, as opposed to checking what is going on in our own life. The finger pointing is as wrong as the behavior of the person you are pointing the finger at. And this is so serious to Jesus. When we behave in this way, he uses a word to describe followers of Jesus only once in the whole gospel here. You see, in other places in the gospel, Jesus calls calls people this name, but they're people outside the church. They're the Pharisees. They're the Sadducees. But here, Jesus says, when you point out the faults of others without noticing your own, you are a hypocrite. A hypocrite. The Greek word means to be an actor. You, we, me, we are fake And that stings. That stings me so deeply because I have heard too many stories from people in my life and even in this room about how someone's hypocrisy caused them to leave the church for a period of time or maybe even for good. They are now done with church because they have said, if that is what it means to be a Christian, I don't want to be identified with that word. If that type of behavior That hypocritical, judgmental behavior means to be a Christian. Well, then guess what? I'm going to be spiritual, but not religious. And it stings to think, oh, that's me. I'm the hypocrite. I'm the one that might have led. It might be me that has led someone to be done with church. So what are we to do? Because I do believe that Making judgments and and being hypocritical is is just going to kind of be something that we have as our human nature. So are we just supposed to say, oh, that's just me. I'm just judgmental. I'm just a judgmental person. Jesus guides us, friends. He says, first, take the log out of your own eye. First, take the log out. We need to keep at the forefront of our thoughts and our prayers and our intentions This phrase that my friend in Atlanta says all the time, check yourself before you wreck yourself. When we find ourselves sitting in in seats of judgment, we need to stop and ask ourselves, do I have any specks in my eyes? 
Any logs? Is this comment really going to be helpful? Do I really need to say anything? You know, we need to remember in those moments how awful it feels to be criticized and judged. And we also need to realize that in any given moment, the person we're about to judge or criticize is probably already judgmental and critical of her or himself anyway. All of us are hardest on ourselves anyway. We don't need to add to it. We need to remember that all people are created in the image of God and all people are fallen. All people will mess up. We need to remember that Christ knows all of the wrong that we were going to do even before we were born and then said, guess what? I'm still going to die for you. We need to remember that the amazing grace and love that each of us has been given, that is what the world really needs. That is what our spouse, our children, our neighbors, our friends need more than anything, is an extension of that love and grace. Since that day of being so ashamed of myself about that Air Force hat, I have tried my best not to make impulsive comments that are critical or judgmental, but I have failed. I, I am determined, though, I am determined to not be called an intentional hypocrite. I have to realize that if I'm wanting to criticize others, chances are that person's probably already too critical of herself. If I'm wanting to judge him, I need to let the judge do that, not me. You see, each of us has been placed in our unique marriage, our unique family, unique school, believe it or not, class, neighborhood, workplace, not to bring judgment. God has us there in those places to bring the light of Christ, a light that always says love, compassion, peace, my joy, my patience, you are not there by accident. Friends, let us go into the world to offer this amazing love of God without judgment. May it be so in my life and in yours. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God in heaven, we thank you for your abundant, overflowing, limitless love. May it fill us so much that we literally spill out onto other people the love that we have received. Help us to hold our tongue. Help us to affirm and encourage and build others up. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.